I really just rejoice in the fact that God did that for you. Amen. Yeah, and he's no respecter of people, eh? Amen. He does that for people all around the world, and he does it for others sitting within the congregation too. But he does these things so that he keeps jump-starting faith. Hey, Don is just on an amazing journey with God where uh, we didn't have any community work out into the, into the children that was um, specifically from his ministry. And so I asked him to go and pray. God gave him a strategy. And now, a couple of years down the track, we have icons for boys and icons for girls. And um, he has taken those families. And there's a great possibility of connection between the other children's work that we have out in the community as well, where... Um, Families are away together with church families. Families from the community are away together with church families. Don rang me last night and said the really exciting thing is, just in conversation, without asking for it or setting it up to be that way, three different families had said, you know, we'd actually quite like to explore your church. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Brilliant. And they said to him, please do this family camp again next year. We're having so much fun already. And that was only Saturday night. So that, that's very, very cool. Um, the Bible talks about suddenlies. Suddenly. For instance, suddenly a sound like a violent wind came. Or with Paul, as Paul neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a bright light came, flashed all around him. So what I want to ask you is, when did the last suddenly happen for you? When was that? When did God suddenly do something in your life? Because a suddenly is really a paradigm shift, would be the terminology we would use today. And after we've had a paradigm shift, we view the world differently. At, at, before we have it, we were looking like that, and now suddenly something happens and we see the same sort of circumstances completely different. Like... Our view of the world was incomplete. Peter had a suddenly when a sheet appeared while he's tr just trying to have an afternoon nap. A sheet appears down, down through the ceiling and he sees all this stuff on it and then it goes up and then it comes down again. And suddenly he viewed the Gentiles different than he'd ever viewed Gentile people as a Jewish man yeah. ever before. And the church has viewed, well, we are the Gentiles and in, in, in us here today, yeah. but we have viewed, been viewed differently ever since. Suddenly. You know, it used to be that people thought the world was flat. And then suddenly. Now, can you imagine being a sailor who got a suddenly? Can you imagine as you're setting off what your mother would be saying to you as a 19 or 17-year-old young man? You're going to die. You're going to drop off the edge of the world. You're wasting your life. This is crazy. Yeah. But that observed the horizon for years. And suddenly it all made sense. And a whole group of them. And suddenly the world is understood to be round. Now spiritually you've had suddenlies. Salvation was a suddenly. Actually you can have... Slow suddenlies and fast suddenlies in God. C.S. Lewis had a two-year suddenly. But at a certain point on a bus in England, he realized Jesus was who he said he was and he believed it. But it had been a two-year suddenly taking place. But many times it's really rapid. And after you're saved, you can sing Amazing Grace. 
Sing it with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was, but now I'm. Now stop. Before you were saved, that didn't make sense to you. But after you're saved, you can sing it with heartfelt, heartfelt um, conviction. But you go and tell your friends, like I did and you did too, that they're lost and need to be found and get saved, and they go, they don't get it, because they haven't had that paradigm shift that helps them to see the world in a totally different way. And suddenly it's happened even after we're Christians. In Acts chapter 19, Paul arrives in Ephesus, and he asks the disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So he lays hands on them, and instantly or suddenly they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in tongues, and other miraculous things are taking place around them as well. Now I want you to note, they didn't say, no, we're evangelicals, we don't want the Holy Spirit. They were open to more that God might have. And God progressively is revealing truth. This book is multi-layered. There was a time in history when people did not understand the things that are in there that we know now. And if we fast forward 100 years or 200 years, if the Lord doesn't come before that time is up, which could be unlikely, God will have revealed new things out of this book that we read over it and we just don't see it. It's multi-layered. You see, to keep growing in God, you must believe that what you're currently learning is the truth. But you must also realize it's not all the truth. Now, it's really hard when you get mixed up because a suddenly happens. The charismatic move was a suddenly. And wonderful Christian people who knew God and loved him got a suddenly. And they go, I, this, I, we've never had this before. But God was revealing a new truth of the baptism of the Holy Spirit to people like Baptists and Catholics suddenly. Now, we shouldn't be surprised that there, are, there is more in God because Jesus said this. He said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will, on, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And so the Holy Spirit has always had that ministry of revealing new truth and more truth. Here's one of the sad facts. People who have received something fresh of God in one generation, when the next fresh thing comes from God, are often the ones that oppose it. Let's not be that people. Let's just stay open to more suddenlies. So what is your most recent suddenly that you've had? Mine was grace, not law. And God used Graham to uh, speak to me about this. And as we've taught on this, all of us have become open to the new truth that God was revealing to me, whether in a fast or a slow way for you. Well, I want to share something today that is another one of these shifts that need to take place. And I pray you get a fast suddenly rather than a slow one. 
But we were, I want to, to bring, speak today of the shift that needs to take place from the gospel of salvation to the gospel of the kingdom. From the gospel of salvation to the gospel of the kingdom. If you plant a seed, what do you get from it? Yep. So if, if you want a tomato, so I'll put it another way. If you want a tomato, what sort of seed do you plant? Yeah. So whatever seed you want to grow up, uh, plant you want to grow up, you've got to have the right seed that's actually there. And Jesus came with a gospel, which means good news, and only his gospel will produce gospel fruit. And twice in Scripture, we're, we're warned not to accept another gospel. So this is what Jesus came saying. Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is now fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, friends, we're all familiar with the gospel of salvation. And I'm saying I want to see a, I believe God wants to see a shift from believing the, just the gospel of salvation to the gospel of the kingdom. But we're all familiar with the gospel of salvation if you've been around church for any length of time. And the gospel is that God loves people. Do I get a tick? He's kind. Another tick? That he wants relationship with people. Yep. That everyone is broken within, that we have a sin gene problem. And so God devised a plan that he would do to rescue us. He would deal with sin himself. Do I still get ticks? And he's able to forgive us because of what he did and start a new relationship with us and take us to heaven when we die. Now, is all of that true? Give me a wave if you think it's all true. Some of you aren't sure. (laughs) Next question is, is it the complete gospel? Yes? Uh, No. (laughs) Okay, just stay tuned in, because this is why I'm preaching this, is to gather us in on thinking about this. Did Jesus ever use the term gospel of salvation? He didn't. Now, it is totally true what what we've just been saying. It's the truth. God wants us saved. God wants us going to heaven. But it's not complete. What we need to think of is sets and subsets. The gospel of salvation is a subset of a larger set. And Paul almost uses this term in two places. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. And in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you, having also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So the gospel of salvation is totally true, but it's incomplete. And Jesus never, ever used the term. Now think about this. One of the names of Jesus is the word. If he'd wanted to use the word gospel of salvation to introduce to everybody what he was on about, he could have and he would have because he is precise. He is the word. You know, 
The problem with embracing just the gospel of salvation is that it sets us up as thinking the main thing is to get to heaven. To get saved, to get a ticket. Once we've got the ticket, we put it in our back pocket. And it subconsciously implies that we've got the main thing. And largely, once you've got that ticket, everything else is pretty, well, sweet. You, you get comfortable. You get into a routine. You settle back, a bit like in this chair here. It's quite comfy. I've got my ticket for heaven. I know what the rules are. I've got the routines. need to be in church for a little while. It used to be twice on a Sunday, then the rule was once on a Sunday, and then it became, oh, once every two weeks. Yeah, you know, So long as I'm just fulfilling the kind of routines, I've got the ticket, still going to heaven. And we settle back, and many people, many Christians think, well, what do I want to do with my life? And they get on with their bit, but they have this comfortable sort of Christianity that's there. And all the other things that Jesus said, they're like, yeah, nah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Oh, I could lead a cell group, yeah, it's great that you asked me, but nah, no, I'm pretty good. Life's good, life's sweet. In fact, it's busy. I don't get to sit here all the time. Don't think this is my life. I'm at work for so many hours a week and comfortable Christianity. But Jesus came preaching something different. He came preaching about the kingdom. He said, the time is fulfilled. He said, the kingdom of God is now at hand, and I want you to repent and to believe in the gospel. So there was a certain point, which is over 2,000 years ago now, when something that wasn't on the earth suddenly came to earth. It was not here, but suddenly it came. Jesus said it's arrived, it's right now. The kingdom of God is here. He said it's, it's at hand. In other words, if you reach out, it's within your grasp. I don't know if any of you guys are old enough to work on your old, own cars. Some of you are. You know what it's like to be under the car, and you know there's a spanner just within reach somewhere. And you're, crawled, you're on your back under the car reaching around for that spanner that is at hand, and you grab it and you use it to... Do whatever you're doing under there. That's what the kingdom of God is like, and it's always like that. It's always just a little bit above where we can reach. You know, Evan Roberts was the person who God used to bring the Welsh revival to start in about 1905, somewhere around that time. And that revival saw hundreds of thousands of people swept into the kingdom through his ministry. But Eventually, it came to an end, and Evan went somewhere else. And I heard a story of Evan coming back to the little church that he was in when the revival began, and he began to cry. And they asked him, why are you crying? And he said, it's still there. It's just above the people's hands. But no one was doing this. <laughs> and bringing it down. So the kingdom message is so different from us just getting to heaven, which is what the 
gospel of salvation can be just brought down to. Rather, it's about heaven coming to earth. It's not so much about us making sure we get there. The kingdom of the kingdom message, the gospel of the kingdom, includes that we get heaven. But it's about bringing heaven to earth. And that why that, what, that's why that prayer that we are asked to pray as the model prayer that Jesus said, pray this way, is an amazing mandate for exactly what I'm preaching about. You see, there are heavenly answers, there is heavenly wisdom, there are heavenly resources, and there are heavenly power at hand for every problem and every difficulty. But when you think, oh, it'll all be nice when we get to heaven. I've just got to slog through this life. It's totally different from, man, this is a real serious issue. What does heaven have to say? How can I pull that into the now and see that become real? See, the gospel of salvation, I know I'm repeating myself, focuses on you getting from earth to heaven. But the gospel of the kingdom includes that ticket but it focuses on you getting heaven down into the reality of where you, you and I live. And Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, now listen to me on this. We are post the cross when we read that. The disciples were not post the cross when they read it. We think it means confess all your sin and feel sorry for your sin and believe in Jesus for salvation. But Jesus wasn't telling his disciples that. When Jesus said it, it was before the cross. There was no Calvary, no sacrifice, and no blood yet. So his words had none of those connotations in them. Repent actually means change your thinking. Can I say that again? Because we're so used to repent, meaning, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done wrong. And it does in include that. But repent actually means change your thinking. Renew your mind, thank you. Change the way you're thinking. And Jesus is saying to these people who thought the kingdom of God would be one way, they were thinking it was going to be like David and um, his son Solomon all over again. It was going to be a literal kingdom. And remember, there was a time when they wanted to take him by force and make him their king, and they would fight with him, and they would just... And Jesus is saying, change your thinking. You've got totally the wrong understanding of what the kingdom actually is. Change it. Repent. Change your thinking. And believe the gospel of the kingdom. Embrace new thinking about the kingdom of God. And for us today, our thinking is often the gospel of salvation, and Jesus is saying the same thing. Change your thinking and embrace what I'm meaning about the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. So what changes of thinking do we need to make? Well, instead of us growing comfortable over here and thinking, well, as long as I just keep the rules, I'll be okay... He says, no, change your thinking. 
What I want you to, to do is I want you to, to become someone who begins to grow up and get some muscles. Can we have one of our young, strong men come up here and demonstrate this? What about someone like William Norris? Where are you, William? Just try a few different exercises, sitting on it, using your body weight. He's saying, change your thinking and understand I want you to grow spiritual muscles. I want to do things. I want to empower you. I want to make you to grow up so that you look really strong and healthy. No, not for that reason. So that you are actually able to do what I want to do in the kingdom of God. And so when he invites people into a relationship with him, he's looking for people who want to go the distance and make themselves strong and learn what they can. Not, thanks, William. Not so that they become this, this great show pony, but so that they are actually able to do the will that God has been thinking about for their life. That's not the true message of Jesus. This is more like the, new, the true message of Jesus. He wants to train us, equip us, empower us to live and operate in his ability and do things that are beyond what we're able to do in our own ability. And so it takes faith. And faith requires a whole lot of stuff that is more like exercise than relaxing. So what are a few of the things? And I want to preach on these a little bit as we go into next year, actually, because we're run quickly running into the end of the year. But the first thing I would just want to bring out of the difference between a gospel of salvation and a gospel of the kingdom is the emphasis of our Christian life must be about hearing from heaven and releasing what we hear into our earthly circumstances. Every problem has a heavenly solution. And if it's not, if we don't have a redemptive answer for something, then we don't yet have God's solution. We don't have his word on it. Secondly, a kingdom has a ruler. And his name, he's a king, and his name is Jesus. And he's alive, and therefore he speaks. And we have all been invited into a kingdom where we, uh, the, almost the number one priority for us is to learn to hear his voice so that we know when he's speaking to us. And I would say it, almost all fruit comes from hearing his voice and obeying. Yeah. That's where fruit comes from. So this kingdom has, has a ruler that we need to learn his voice. And this kingdom of heaven has resources attached to it. It's not just a kingdom of words. There's heavenly power, and there are tools and equipment that can accomplish tasks beyond our ability for us to be able to do that God will say, just go and do it. You know, Todd getting healed is a, is a good example of that. Does anyone here have any sort of ability to be able to heal Todd's back when it's seriously out? Yeah. Only God can. And fourthly, Jesus coming and saying what was not on the earth but is now on the earth was a declaration of war upon the 
ruler who had stolen the authority and right on the earth to rule off Adam and Eve. And his name is Satan. And Jesus, in coming and saying, there's now a new kingdom established on this earth, it's a spiritual kingdom, was a direct declaration of war against Satan. And he's been robbing and killing and destroying people's lives ever since. And we as his followers are given the mandate to release and restore people and systems. We're told to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, release miracles, and share God's good news of love for people everywhere. And so this is the change of thinking that Jesus is saying, repent about how you've been thinking about the gospel. Change the way that you think on it. Because the gospel, what you're thinking in salvation, the gospel of salvation, is just a subset of something that is much, much, much larger. And something that's worth giving our lives to see come to pass. But we're coming into a kingdom where Jesus commissions us to be about his business of setting captives free and destroying what the devil has built or has locked a person up with around their lives, life. And so he really wants to build us up and develop these spiritual muscles and energy and an awareness of when the king is talking and an awareness of when the, what the enemy is up to and how to, to hear from heaven about how to defeat and destroy the enemy's work, one life at a time. Let me just pose a few shortcuts, uh, shortcomings at least, of the gospel of salvation. Let's suppose one of you here today is a, well, let's suppose all of you here today are heroin addicts. And you're told that God loves you. Then you become a loved heroin addict. You're also told that God, you can be forgiven. So then you become a loved and forgiven heroin addict. And you're told that Jesus' death can give you eternal life. And you become a loved, forgiven heroin addict who's bound for heaven. But the gospel of the kingdom adds healing, miracles, Satan's work being destroyed, and restoration so that each person can become free again. Do you see the difference of stopping at this when God says, no, tell people about all that I can do. Be involved in all that I can do. Only the power of God can accomplish the kingdom aspects. And so we have to hear from heaven, believe, and step out in faith. And that's the tricky part. (laughs) In other words, we have to step over the chicken line. God, are you saying to me to do this? You know, the gospel of salvation, when we, when we only understand that, it causes us to believe so little. And most of us have been here for long periods of time. I'm including me. Long, long periods of time. Because stepping over chicken lines is risky. Saying you're a Christian at work and setting that up is risky. Offering help and Offering to pray for someone is risky. Believing that God might actually heal someone 
All the time, I'm getting a little bit off the couch, but it's jolly risky. But you know, God doesn't usually throw us in, I say usually because he's God, but he doesn't usually throw us in the deep end until we've had a little bit of exercise with him, learning to hear his voice, those sorts of things. But we, our mandate as Christians is to learn to bring heaven to earth. We get to go to heaven eventually, but we're here to bring heaven to earth. And Jesus and Paul and Peter, Philip, Mary. Man, the Church of Mary was huge. If you go to Ephesus and you see how large the Church of Mary is, there'd be, there'd be a thousand over people easily fit within the sanctuary of the Church of Mary. So it doesn't matter what gender we are, the mandate God has for us is to hear from heaven about situations and people and bring that thing down to earth. You know, I was chatting with a pastor in Pataru. Can I have the, the band come up? And you can just move the equipment back a, a bit. Um, last week, past, Baptist pastor in Pataru Baptist, and he was telling me many stories of Holy Spirit power that had been happening around his church. And he said he got a call one day and it was from a friend, and he could tell from the friend's voice that he, the friend was really agitated. And this friend shared with them that someone they knew, they both knew from their church, was um, being worked on right now by an ambulance crew, and something bad had happened. And, and he said to the pastor, he said, please come over. And so he, he, he flew over to, well, he drove over to his place, got there as quick as he could. He did not go to the incident. They went to, he went to his friend's house. You need to hear that. And they began to pray for this person to live, the one that had, that had been involved in an accident. And he learned afterwards that the person had died. And he'd been dead for 12 minutes being worked on with absolutely no result whatsoever for 12 minutes. I think it's about three minutes before you, you know, there's just serious damage to the brain and all the other organs and things. And at the end of, uh, after these folks prayed, this person suddenly came back to life. I wanted to share it because it's just another scenario. We, we usually think of um, actually laying hands on the dead person and doing our best and with all the faith we've got, praying, live in Jesus' name. But they did it a long way away. The result was this person lived. You know, that's, that's this part of the kingdom of God that Jesus was saying, change your thinking. This is what the kingdom involved, God involves also. Amazing things happening. Don, who's out at um, uh, Glenroy at the moment, his son Ethan. Ethan would be about 10 years old, I suppose, at the moment. And he, Don came and told me, and he said, Ethan's been having um, these spiritual experiences happening. And, and he said, he, he, uh, he, he feels, he's in his bedroom, and he feels wind rushing across his hands. And he said he was getting a bit freaked out. So he went to his mother and said, what is, what's this mean, this wind? I, I'm alone, this windows are closed, and there's wind rushing across my hand. And Heather said to him, she said, she said, it's okay, it's just the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just, next time it happens, just ask Jesus what, it, what, what this is about. And so next time it happens in his bedroom, he asked Jesus what this is about. And he said, a voice spoke to him and said, I've got big plans for you. And the wind just came across, it was already coming across his hand, and he just burst out speaking in tongues. First time, first time ever. This is the 
This is the work of God in, in our midst. It's the kingdom stuff. This is not scary. God, God um, this is unusual, but it's not scary. It's our God at work. And God says, if you're just thinking what I've called you to be is just this big. No, it's not. It's this big. Take me seriously. Get into training. And I want to invite all of us today to consider moving from wherever we are over by the gospel of salvation seat of comfort and saying to God, God, I want to move. I want to shift in my thinking towards this, towards the gospel of the kingdom where the power of the age to come increasingly comes down upon the earth. Will you join me? Will you say yes to God? Will you be up for a gospel that has not just words, but power as well? Just before we, um, just before we uh, worship, can I get you to stand? God just loves training us. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to invite the Holy Spirit to come and manifest his presence amongst us. And I'd like for you to be open. So would you assume the position? There's a good example. A lot of people go like this. But however you love to just connect with God and just let him speak to you. Just let him come upon you. Holy Spirit, I just invite you. Come amongst us today. Reveal yourself amongst us today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Just drop it down.